Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air. With instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host, Steve Zabin. Okay, first out of the gate in the 2023 season for the Capital Golf Gang, our friend John Ronis, director of golf out there (laughs) at River Creek. In Leesburg, Virginia. Welcome to the 2023 season. Thank you for giving us your time and effort on this program for nothing but total consciousness on your deathbed, as we like to say. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to a great year. Uh, Ronus is recovering from some health issues, but uh, is on the mend and has said he has watched a lot of television, which I assume yes. includes the Netflix series. Yes, everything. Everything you could possibly see on television, I have watched. I have run out of Hallmark movies. I have watched the full swing, every swing of Arnold Palmer Invitational uh, and the Honda. Uh, it's, okay. it, it's, been, it's been enlightening. It's been enlightening. All right, uh, here's the real test of just how sick you were and just how much television you claim to have watched. You ready? Watch this, kids. Yeah. Did you watch any of the live tour debut on the CW? No. Okay. Well, so no. there at least no. you didn't go that far. But yeah. you were No, you're right. You're, you're right. Because I'm I I'd rather just turn the TV off and stare at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather watch the range balls tumble out of the washer in the yes. club room there at River Creek. Kablunk, 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 yeah. kablunk. Uh, you, yeah. were, you were amongst many, many, many people who also did not watch the Live Tour debut, which got a very paltry rating on the CW. But hey, at least they are now on television. I put that in air quotes, Ronas. They're on yeah. television on the CW. And yeah. at least they now have a title sponsor for this upcoming event in Australia. It's like resort... Right world's macau or something so they got some things going on but it's going to be an interesting year to be sure so let's start with the netflix series what is your general impression and let's get into the weeds on some of the nuances of the episodes well i loved them i I really did i mean there are a couple of them um you know the the one with um i don't know pietro or Pietro or whatever his name is. He's on the live tour now, actually. I, I looked him up. Um, Thomas Peters? You know, some of the, no, the P, Petro. Oh, the guy Mito, who lost the P, Mito Pereira. Pereira. Mito Pereira. <laughs> yes. That one was a little bit slower for me. But, um, you know, there was a few things that actually struck me. One, I was 
I was amazed with the wealth of those, some of these guys, you know, when they're talking about their, they're talking to them at their houses and stuff like that. I was, I was fairly amazed with the wealth factor. Like um, Kepka's baller mansion in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost one after the other and, and, um, yeah, pro, and Dustin pro Johnson's golf pays and, pro golf pays pretty well. Yeah. Even before you jump to the live. Right. Um, obviously the Kepka one was the most, um, fascinating as far as from a mental standpoint. Um, and I actually saw him a few weeks ago. He was practicing putting, uh, down it when I played it at the Grove. Um, he's really, he's, he struck me as a totally different kind of individual that I, I perceived him as really. Um, and, and still negatively actually. Okay. So um, I was going to say, did the, did, did the, did the Kepka episode move the needle positively or negatively? More negatively. Okay. Because More negatively, like a victim. Because he put himself up as kind of almost like a victim Boo-hoo. of his own. Boo-hoo. Of, Golf right. is hard. Boo-hoo. I don't win all the time now. Boo-hoo. Why can't I figure this out? Right. And it was Mr. Golf is easy, and you guys aren't even athletes. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm not going to turn around and go, yeah, I told you so. It, the fact is, you know what? You're just, I'm very happy that he's no longer in the picture. I'm just very happy. It just makes makes me happy. We don't need him. Well, there really is a lack of humility of, yes, this game is insanely hard. The only guy that ever really conquered it in any way, shape, or form was Tiger. You're yeah. not Tiger, and you're going to have struggles. I found that that episode where he was constantly saying, I can't, I can't believe it. What's going on? I can't stink. I can't play. I can't win. Yeah, He had just registered a T4 at the waste management, which is not bad. It was right in the mix. And I'm like, what are you complaining about? And then he got hurt. There was, well, there was a great interview with Justin Rose yesterday because I watched every interview, I think twice yesterday also at the players where he said, you know, they said, what were your emotions after you won at Pebble Beach? You know, he, he said it was a kind of a combination of a bit of relief because we trick ourselves into thinking there's a process and things are going forward. But all of a sudden, four years goes by very quickly, and it's hard to keep on tricking yourself. But there's injury and things like that. But these guys have to keep themselves in that frame of mind like, I'm moving forward. I'm getting better. Ricky Fowler is coming back from the doldrums. I love to see that, by the way. I love to see Ricky coming back. These these guys are fighters, and it's great to see. And he just put himself out there like just such a fairy that it was it was sad to see. Who who did? Uh, Brooks Kepka. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of it you don't know how these episodes are edited and how they're presented, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. What other episodes? What other moments in full swing caught your eye? You liked? You loved? Maybe you didn't like? Then I'll give you, know, you my the, main. I'll give you mm-hmm. my main complaint about it, even though I yeah. like it. But there is a major complaint I have. Go ahead. You know, I like the Joel Dahlman um, kind of story of of that. There's plenty of guys out on tour who are accepting a 70th rank, but life is going on around them. You know, they're having babies. They're working through cancers. They're doing all these things. Now he's a fighter, but he also accepts his place in the hierarchy of the situation and his, and his understanding that it's a job, he's making a living, but he doesn't 
feel like he has to be the, the king of the, of the world. That episode, I think, struck me as something very nice. And the struggle outside of the golf course, it's necessary. Um, you know, Tony Finau is another one of, you know, where he was brought up from and got to the point that he got to and, and how much sacrifice there is before you get to these places. So I think in that regard, it caught it. It, it captured, I think, a lot of what it, it wanted to capture, not just a spoiled brat rich pack of, of kids right somebody has to be the world's 70th best right. pro golfer it might as well be me right. is one of the great lines of the entire series a gripe about the Domin piece the, the episode that featured him so he's in the lead after two rounds at the open at brookline a place you know yep. quite well yep and then almost within a blink of an eye they don't even show you how it unraveled over the weekend. It was almost like, and he didn't win. And now here's yep. his wife still saying, I love you. Everything is great. And good finish. Top 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought to myself, hey, Netflix, what's going on here? You've got to show us the crash and the burn because that's an essential part of professional tournament golf. It's unpleasant. Yeah but it is what it is. They didn't even show it, basically. Yeah, you know, it just, I don't think it fit into their their storyline, of course. You know, it, it was more of, well, look, he's still finished part fourth. of the storyline? Like, he's leading the Open as the guy with a floppy head who thinks, I'm not that good. And yeah. then, all of a sudden, no, he didn't win. He's not lead. What? Where did it go wrong? Dig into know. the I mean, weeds. Went, show me the shots. Road Interview some Pereira. guys. They well, went yes. down the road with Pereira, oh, and yeah. they went deep into that road. So, okay. um, well, anyway. but you know, another thing they could have followed up on the Pereira thing and say, like, how did it affect you after that? I mean, how did you yeah. wake up the next day? Right. So, exactly. but I, I think it was a little bit more of a, it was a little bit more fluffy than I, I think that's where you're getting at. It was a little more fluffy than it in, than it may have could have been. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they wanted to go down the that golf is just a brutal game. <laughs> I I uh I like the series. I'm in, it's be, it's visually beautiful. The access is great. Yeah. Um. I'm happy. They Music did it. is great. I'm happy they did it. I'm happy that they've greenlit a season two. That said, yeah. I just resent the fact that they put a little bib around our necks, and now they're spoon feeding us the here comes the applesauce. A, yeah. a golf tournament has seventy two holes. After thirty six holes, there's a cut in which half the players go home and don't make any money. Duh! Yeah. Like, yep. I don't, and people say, well, you know, they want to tailor this for the non-golf fan. And I'm like, but the non-golf fan can figure some basic things out. If you spoon feed your audience to that degree, you're going to kind of ruin it for those that know a little bit about the sport. I've not watched the Netflix docu- the series on Formula One, so maybe they spoon feed Formula One the same way. But my feeling is the stuff I don't know about Formula One or that they may not spoon feed me, I'll go figure it out. I'll Google it or I'll ask somebody. So I just yeah. don't like that about the producers of Full Swing where they just made it like you're a baby in a high chair. Yeah, I, I, I get it too. And and I was I think of it on the other end of like, I know most of what they're talking about, obviously. And I was like, well, I guess they're including more people into it. But yes, it was a little bit of a of a uh, kind of looking down over their nose and how they were explaining it. Yeah. 
Okay, let's uh, move on to some other topics here uh, as the season uh, begins. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's go with the new PGA Tour structure. This has been yeah. quite the talk this week as the Players' Championship is going on this week as we make our debut for the 2023 uh, golf season. Do you like it? Do you worry about this new structure? Do you hate it? Where yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't dislike it at all. I'm not going to say I like it totally um, because I haven't. I don't think we've lived it yet. Right. Um, I do like all of what they're trying to do, and then I think they're also have shown that they're willing to adapt, which I think is gigantic. So the fact that they're willing to adapt, they're willing to try some things. Now they're going with the eight events, which will be non-cut. Um, and I think that, that it's just showing that they're willing to push and push and push. But I do believe that they're also willing to pull back if they need to, if they're finding that something is not working as well as it could. Um, I think they've done an, actually an amazing job of working outside the box. And I credit um, the players first. And then I credit uh, Jay Monahan and his staff for, for really coming with, up with some innovative ideas to make sure that the it all comes down to money, Zabe. It all comes down yeah. to money. So once you get that money in place, then you can work within the framework of how you can make those sponsors and the fans happiest. And I, I believe, you know, if you watch Bay Hill, Rory was in like 50th place or 40th place after the second day or the or the first day or something like that. And you're just like, I was saying to myself, because I wanted to root for him, is there any way he can compete for the championship at this point? And sure enough, he did. Well, in a non-cut event, you can always do that. So I think for the fans and the sponsors and everything else, I think, I think they've really done a great, great job. I think the essential question is, is a cut a essential ingredient of a professional golf tournament? Does the fear of trunk slamming on Friday afternoon getting no money, zero, nothing but... Uh, maybe a free shirt and a couple of meals on your way out the door. Does that make the essence of pro golf? In other words, now that there's going to be a series of events where you get paid no matter where you finish, will guys not try hard once they fall out of contention? It's it's a very valid point, but I also, unfortunately, with all the time I had on my hand, went down the entire money list for the Bay Hill Invitational and went to the last place money winner. I'm looking and at it last... right now because that, that's the I exact think... question I had is, which is what did the last place guy who made the cut make? Do you know and, what and it what is, roughly it speaking? Seamus Power. Seamus it... Power, who finished 72nd. Yeah. It was either like, uh, it, it, the two 40, numbers stick in my head, it was like 41,000. 40, 40 grand. Yeah. yeah. 40 so $40,000 for last know, place. 40 grand, that's a lot of money for you and I. But for Correct. these guys, it barely covers their expenses to get there to the right. event. So, so why can't you bring that down to uh, $1,500 for the last place with a no-cut event? Why can't you do that? You know, uh, so you're right. You yeah. don't necessarily need cuts. Right. Um, but I think you have to have the ability for uh, different players to get into different tournaments and things like that. And, and um, you know, I don't know if someone guaranteed money is going to play in 45 events. I don't know. Yeah. I look at it from a fan standpoint and that this new tour structure is going to be great for the fans because you're going to what they've essentially done is they've made these independent contractors commit to a series of 10 events a year 
which is yeah. one every other month, basically during, or no, excuse me, two a month. It's two a yeah. month, basically during the golf season, right? Golf season is about five months yeah. long. April, yeah. May, June, July, August, then football takes over and nobody cares anymore. So it's right. two a month in which you're going to get the best of the tour going at it at the best courses in America, which is great. And because yeah. there's no cut, if you live near one of these events and want to buy tickets, then you know, hey, Rory and Rom are coming and it, they don't have to make the cut for me to know that my tickets I already bought for Saturday with my kids, we can see them. We may have to wake right. up early as they go out early, but we're still going to get to see them. That's huge for golf fans. Gigantic. And also sponsors because the sponsors are coming in, they're putting up tents, and they want to be able to entertain people on Friday, yes. on Saturday and Sunday and know that Tiger, for instance, or Rory, for instance, is going to be walking at some point past that tent. Right. I say I say this all the time, and I mean it with no disrespect, but it's the zoo animal concept. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> these are these are zoo animals that people want to go see, and if if you want to go see Rom or Rory or Scheffler or whatever, uh, you got to have a reasonable assurance that the zoo animal you're looking to take a take a look at and a picture of is not hiding behind a rock, out of view of where you're standing in the zoo, and so therefore Great this comment. does that. So this Great does that. Right this does that for him. now. The the key thing is going to be seeing how much churn, as they call it, exists for guys outside the top 70 or 80 getting into the upper tier events. And they've designed ways to play into it, including playing into it during the season, because you're going to have yeah. a, a couple weeks in between these elevated events where if you play well, you're in right away, which yeah. is great. Um, I just want to see it in action, though. Well, I think, yeah, and again, I think they're going to do a good job with it. But the other thing that happens is these guys are all going to play in relatively the same events. So the second-tier events, don't forget, they haven't lost any money. They're not lowering those purses. They're just now making them accessible to maybe 100 of those players as opposed to 50 of those players because it's not the randoms that are playing in that. The big guys are going to play in the big money tournaments. They're still only going to play in 15 to 18 events. And now there's a wide open range for these guys to play in the John Deere Classics. And the money has not gone lower. It's still gone even higher. So now they have the opportunity game-wise to play for something because they can get into the upper tier events and the money is still there. I think it's a great win-win situation for everyone, especially a competitive balance to get people more hungry. I think it's a really good idea. You know, that's a great point I had not yet considered is that this, the, the, the lesser tour events, they're not pulling money away from them. No. That's huge. No. And as I think about it more now that you bring this up, because the elevated events are for so much money, it's going to pretty much separate the oil from the water in terms of the star players, the best of the best, where they're just not going to play John Deere. They're Correct. not going to play Memphis, right? Correct. So, so therefore, if you are a guy that's trying to make it on tour, how much of a relief is it to be able to know that there isn't two or three really good players who for some weird reason, because of their schedule, or their wife has family in that town, are going to play a lower-tier event, and you're like, oh, crap. What is Scheffler doing in this event? 
I wish he wasn't right. here because he's Correct. really good and I probably can't beat him. That now helps solve that problem for the lesser players, which they ought to be okay. happy about. Yeah, and if you win, you're still making you know 1.2, 1.4, and that sets you up for possibly keeping your tour card. Yeah. So I I, I do think it's a it's a win win. But again, those the guy who's ranked a hundredth has to look at it as. I still can make some money out here. I still can feed my family. And I have the chance, if I really work hard, of taking that next step, just like you would do in a real workforce. Nothing's given to us. So no. you want to move up? You got to move up. Got to get better. All right. I got time for one more topic with you, and we've plumbed a lot of good stuff here. There's so much things that have happened since we were last on the air. I gave you a list, gave you a menu on your phone, if you can look at the text I sent. Would you like to choose off the menu of other things that have happened that I think are worthy of talking about? Just, just you, you pick one, Zabe, because I can't look at my phone. You and can't look at your phone. <laughs> okay. How about this? Tiger at the LA Open. Yeah. Perfect. You know, again, it is, well, there's a lot of layers of this one, right? It's showing, first of all, Tiger's commitment to the PGA Tour. I know it's his tournament, but it's showing his commitment to know where he still stands. Um, he still doesn't want to be an honorary figure. He wants to play and compete. And he showed on a, on a day or a day and a half that he could do that. It shows the reverency of, um, you know, Rory walking by the first team, stopping and watching Tiger tee off after they played together the first two days. Tiger's still the alpha dog. But what I'm really proud of is how these other guys have really stepped up and not been afraid of Tiger's leadership and following behind him, but also pushing the same narrative and what really is best for the entire PGA tour, not as an individual. I really, I really respect a lot of these guys in that. Yes, there's a lot of money in it for them, but a lot of them, especially Rory, Rory's been unbelievable is looking at everything being um, a benefit to the PGA tour. And that's where tiger stands. He's made all the money and nothing's necessary for him anymore. He's pushing a legacy of the tour that he played on. He wants to still be the best. That's yeah. an interesting narrative there. And Tiger is still moving it off the tee. Tiger's really moving it. Which he was his ball speeds mm. were as high as anyone out there. And his iron play is still there. It's just it's a stamina situation. And I, I think Tiger's gonna get in the mix somewhere. I really do. Okay. Uh, Mr. Ronis continued recovery, my friend, and uh keep on doing that great general managing out there at River yeah. Creek, which is better known as director of golfing out there. And yeah. you still give lessons at the Ronas Academy. So if people would like to get a lesson, call River Creek and say, hello, I'd like Mr. Yes. Ronas to help fix my game. You got it, Zabe. I'm so excited about 2023. I think it's going to be awesome. I love it. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. See you. Thanks. Stay tuned for more from the Capital Golf Gang. Today's edition of the Capital Golf Gang is being brought to you exclusively by Golfdom. All the new clubs for 2023 are available at Golfdom now. Callaway's Paradigm line, TaylorMade Stealth 2, the Ping G430, the Titleist TSR Woods, and more. Golfdom is stocking up on some great spring fashions. Come check out the latest from Peter Millar, Holderness and Bourne, RLX, and more, and get custom fit for a new driver or a set of irons in one of their four dedicated bays at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner. Golfdom, live the game in Tyson's, Annapolis now, and soon in Rockville. 
Now back to the show. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang, a foursome of men with tight pants, tighter wallets, and vanity handicaps. We roll on Capital Golf Gang debut episode of 2023. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to WJFK for airing this show on Saturday mornings. And thank you to our man John Gula joins us now, Executive Director of the Mid-Atlantic PGA, joining us for another season. Mr. Gool, are we ready for a Crackerjack 2023? Yeah? You bet we are. Good yeah. morning to you and all our listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. we are looking forward to a great year. What is the, uh, what is the big headline in the Mid-Atlantic section for this coming season? Uh, well, actually, we, we have a brand new event uh, that is going to be really cool for our pros. Uh, a financial services firm, Silvercrest, is uh, sponsoring a one-day shootout at the end of October Ooh. with a $15,000 first prize, uh, which is awesome. And then also the four qualifiers for that got a boost, uh, our four of our normal events, with, with some uh, cash as well. And they're really just doing it because they love PGA professionals and they want to support them and uh and make an event that's great for them at the end of the year so and it's at hermitage country club in richmond but uh you know the qualifiers are all throughout our sections so yeah. it's really exciting for us big big news for our players well one of the big headlines at least for the mid-atlantic section coming out of the winter is hot start soft winter very warm a lot of rounds i bet were logged this winter on courses and clubs in the mid-atlantic that they haven't seen for quite some time because of the pretty much non-existent winter. Yeah, uh, although I would say, you know, it's been trending this way. You know, we maybe had not have had as many warm days uh, in the past than we've had this year, but we've had warm Januarys or warm right. Februarys or some mix. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely uh, most of my pros call this bonus rounds, right? So they don't budget for a lot of time. A lot of the rounds uh, this time of year, uh, but they also don't budget for the labor for for this time of year either. So sometimes that gets some crossways. But I was going to uh, yeah, say, in general, I think it's all positive. I was going to say, do clubs or courses like it when they get these rounds? I guess private clubs, it's a net negative because members are already paying their regular monthly dues during the winter, and now they actually yeah, I would use think the they, they, hopefully they stay and eat or something like that to kind of uh, help right. with that. Yeah, I, I would do say public, um, do public courses though. Do they appreciate the bonus rounds in January oh, yes. and February? Oh yes, that's revenue that they weren't planning on having. Um, and I, but I would say most of them are doing it with with uh, skeleton crews in terms sure. of uh, service because you know that you most of them hire summer help for jobs like this and if you got someone in february they don't they don't have, they don't have anybody there um so it, as long as everyone's expectations are fine i think everybody's happy other than cutting the greens is anything else mowed in the winter in our region probably not i i, I just saw i was just talking to uh one of our clubs yesterday and they said they cut their fairways for the second time yesterday wow which is kind of unprecedented almost right yeah 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 okay. well there you go all right we got a lot to talk about and uh, i just spent some time with mr ronis on the netflix series and the new tour structure i want to get your thoughts on both of those and then press into some other issues first of all have you watched the netflix series i have watched every episode 
uh, I would say I was not the target audience. Uh, I did not need anyone to explain what a par and what a bogey was. Um, but uh, I appreciate cut. that they're trying to grow the audience, right? Sure, so, sure, I mean, sure. I, I get it. I love the insider stuff, the conversations. You know, we, we've we've been talking about uh, how on the on TV broadcast how they're starting to show more of those, and, it, and it's great. So anytime we get that inside, you know, the conversation between the players or the caddy and the player, the inside baseball kind of stuff, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, um, and and I think there's potential for it to move out of the remedial phase where they've had, you know, season two has been greenlit, so maybe season two they're not having Amanda Balionis explain what a cut is. We can yeah, she got a lot that. of t- airtime. Yeah, yeah, good for her. Good for her. They signed yeah. her to the deal, and and a couple of young golf writers who I think you know are are, are good golf writers, but the, the old guard of the golf writing profession they were not represented in full swing, were they? That is true. Yeah, yeah. the old the old war horses there. Okay, so there's that the new tour structure. Uh, Ronus and I both like it. Uh, Ronus made the excellent point just this last segment, hey, the so-called lower tour or the you know the lower tier events haven't lost any money. In other words, so it's not like they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And that should be something pretty appealing to the rank and file where they're going to be playing the so-called lower tier events for the same amount of money, but with less of the best players competing for them. How is that not a win for them? Yeah, I think that there's something to that. I mean, there, you know, the the um, interest in it certainly is not going to be high when no, none of the best players are playing in it. Right. Uh, so not a lot of eyeballs will be on it, but they don't care about that. Probably that's that's the concern for the tour, not for them. They want to get the wins and the points or whatever the qualifications are going to be to be able to play in the big tiered events. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think that's probably accurate. It's it's basically now we've made another level, right? So. We, we had, you know, Corn Ferry Tour, and you qualify to that, you get to the PGA Tour. Uh, but we've always known there's a PGA Tour, uh, you know, uh, making the PGA Tour and then staying on the PGA Tour, right? So there's always been a little bit of that already, and we've just – I think they've basically just put it in writing now, basically. Yeah. Is there anything about it that troubles you as a administrator of events and a guy who knows how these things have to be run and worked? Anything that you say, well, hmm, this could be a problem. Well, I just think I, I have a little trouble philosophically that, um, you know, what, what made the PGA Tour different and what made it great was you had to play for pay, right? You, you, basically, you had to earn it every time. You miss the cut, you go home with zero. Um, and, you know, there's enough of these events that um, some people will make a living not having to, you know, and, and that's what we argued why we didn't like live, right? That there was... You know, there's no incentive for Phil Mickelson. You can see it, you know, for Bryson DeChambeau. Some of these guys, they aren't even placing top 10 at live when they're supposed to be the best players out there because there's no incentive to. They clearly are not trying as hard, not practicing as hard because they're not playing as well. There's just the only way to explain that. And I, I hope that doesn't happen at these. I don't think it will, but I hope it doesn't happen at these uh yeah. What are they called? Dedicated events. You're right. The elevated events, as it were. Yeah. I, I think kind of what happened, Ghoul, was that, and this is a good thing, that Tiger Woods made the PGA Tour worthy of, say, ESPN Sports Center coverage as a legitimate league unto its own. Is it the NFL? No. The NBA? No. 
But it's a league that the average sports fan, and I think corporate America, and I think the networks were wrestling with the, okay, Tigers made golf cool. It's a league. It's got stars. We want to see the best players playing consistently on a schedule that makes sense. And that's not how the independent contractor eat what you kill, make the cut, or go home with nothing old structure was for professional golf. And so yeah, they and finally, it was a 52-week calendar. Yeah, I mean, right. almost. You know. Almost 52 weeks, right, it, exa- which yeah. is more golf than the average sports fan really cared about. So this was an awkward way in which they have finally hammered and bent and pried and melded into the closest thing we've ever had to a coherent league for the PGA Tour. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that explanation, uh, and and hopefully, you know, to your point, when when all the when all the studs are playing at the same time, it's <laughs> going to be can't miss TV. Which I think it's going to be. And even when the studs aren't playing, I don't know how much of the Honda you watched, but that was one of the more compelling Sundays I think we're going to have right. all year. With you know Chris Kirk coming back from his battle with alcoholism <clears throat> and depression because of it to win and holding off this kid Cole who's from golf lineage. I had no idea his mom and dad who were they were who they were. Thirty four year old right. rookie, uh, and, and then a Monday qualifier who finished third. It's incredible. Yeah, I got a chance to watch uh, significant uh, portions of it, and and you know that comes down to storytelling, you know, and and I hopefully the networks can do a good job of that going forward, regardless of who's playing. You know, we're going to have stories that are very interesting when in the elevated events, and we're going to have stories that are interesting, you know, in the non-elevated events. Like, oh, hey, if they make this putt, they qualify for the next elevated event, or they, you know, do that. Right. So that would be on the networks, but I think they can do it, and I think they'll they'll do a good job. Yeah. You know, what's funny is my mother-in-law, bless her heart, she is not a big golf fan, texted me out of the blue last Sunday saying, way to go, Kitayama. And I I looked at my phone and I looked again and I looked and I go, this is from my mother-in-law? What is she doing? And she told my wife, she said, I just like watching golf on Sundays. It's relaxing. And I'm like, well, of course. It's beautiful. It's calm. And if you tell the stories the right way, the and this is up to the networks, the average casual fan can get into it. She was really into the fact that Kitayama was this, you know, this this I don't want to say nobody, but he was a he was a he was a, a long shot against heavyweights down the stretch. Yeah, and, and so one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts is the Monday Q guy, yes, Ryan French, and I, I think he does a great job. And I hopefully the networks will follow. So for especially for these non elevated events, you know, that the, some of those storylines are going to be way more interesting about hey, what this is going to mean to them. This is going to get them a permanent spot on tour. They're going to make the elevated event or whatever. Which you know, to be honest, is way more. Uh, part of what we do and what we care about, then, hey, is Rory going to make five million or six million this year, or you know, is he going to get in the Hall of Fame when he's thirty three or thirty five? You know, that that's way more uh, germane to what we do as sure. as regular golfers for sure. sure. Yeah. So uh, Masters coming up in thirty days, actually less than thirty days when this will air on WJFK this uh, Saturday, but um, the new thirteenth hole. Oh boy, you've seen the aerial photos. 
They yep. have maxed that thing out. They have purchased that chunk of that little peninsula of land from the neighboring Augusta Country Club. And now yep. the hole is going to be a true three-shotter. I don't think anyone will be able to get home from the new back tee. But I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've actually, um, the last time I was down at Augusta, which was probably five years ago, I played Augusta Country Club that week, uh, the week of the uh, Masters. And on the ninth hole, which was the land that previously uh, existed back there, I hit it in the right rough uh, short of the green. So, I mean, I, I walked over to the fence to see if I could look through. And, of course, you know, the uh, the tournament uh, has, av- has everything wrapped up. You can't see anything. But I did have a ball with my name on it that I threw over the fence so that my, my golf ball was on the property of Augusta National um, right there. <laughs> yeah. So I believe, Ghoul, the new number on it is 585, right? Something like that? I think so. Okay. But what I don't know, and you wouldn't know unless you stood on the tee, is can you cut the corner from back there? Meaning, can you even get it over whatever the tree line is to get over the corner to get home in two? Could you hit a hard enough driver draw that slings around the corner? And I guess we're going to see. The other question is, would you put the tee back there all four days? I certainly would mix it up. I mean, and I'm sure they will, uh, whether it's one or two days, because that will make it unique. Yeah, I think, to answer your question directly, I think there it is possible to hit a hard driver with a draw to cut the corner. But that brings so much else into play. You overdraw it. You don't draw it at all, and it goes straight into the, into the mm-hmm. trees. You know, you flare it right. Whereas before, you know, they're playing a three-wood that they've got incredible control over, and they're hitting a three-wood draw over the trees with no issues. And, you know, for them, 210 yards in is a seven-iron, right? So they're hitting a seven-iron to the green, and, and everything's easy, and it's almost an automatic birdie. So I do believe this will create some thought process. And, you know, if you're down two, and, you know, I, I wonder what the strategy would be because that's still 13 and not 15 yet, but... Yeah, you you might say, okay, this is the time I'm going to hit the hard driver and see if it works out. But knowing if it doesn't, you know, I'm out of the tournament. Yeah, the other so thing it'll, is it'll the be interesting strategy for sure. The Masters, unlike the U.S. Open, as of recently with Mike Davis doing the course setup, they have not varied tee boxes greatly on any of their holes. Right, the only hole that I can think of in which they vary the length of it has been number four. The long. I was going to say the par, long par three on the front. Yeah, otherwise maybe five, maybe, maybe five seven, or no, maybe no. I'm sorry, maybe three. The short par four, they can scooch yep. it up, but they don't really do that now. They have that ability to say, "Up, oh, surprise, guys! Today the tee on 13 is the old school 485. Go for it! It's essentially a par four and a half." Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. And there is some room to do that. I think they mess with it a little bit on 8, the par 5, as well. Um, but it, it might be 10 or 15 yards and not, you know, 100, like you just gave us an example of. Uh, so it'd be very interesting. One little story about 13. So uh, last time I was down there, which is probably about five years ago, uh, when I was down there for a drive, chip, and putt, I played Augusta Country Club the weekend before, and I would like to people tell people I played Augusta, but it's Augusta Country Club, not Augusta right. National. Right. And I played the ninth hole, and my ball ended up uh, short right of the green, which is right next to the fence. 
at 13 there uh, between Augusta National and Augusta Country Club. So I walked over, tried to look in, which I couldn't. Uh, but I did throw one of my golf balls that had my name on it over the fence so that I would say one of my golf balls was on Augusta National. But a little <laughs> you, tidbit for you why, there. Why, sir, you purposely littered the National. Oh, I'm sure it got removed very quickly. <laughs> Better not have had your name on it. You could have gotten in trouble for that one. Yeah. All right. Um, sandbagging at Pebble Beach's Pro-Am was a story as well this winter with Aaron Rodgers and his team winning it. And uh, Josh Allen of the Bills basically saying, yeah, right. That guy is no 10 handicap. This has right. plagued this event forever since I can remember watching or reading Golf Magazine as a teenager. Is there any solution to this? And is it? kind of embarrassing that a big event like the Pebble Beach Pro-Am has what seems to be rampant sandbagging. You know, a hard question to answer because they're probably doing it legally. Well, not legally, but they're they're not posting their good scores or they're only posting their bad scores, right? That's not uh-huh. legal. <laughs> right. That's they they have a handicap that that the club or the the tournament can do nothing about. They they look at it and it's and it's got scores in it and it says a ten, right? And they checked it, so it, it's it's the on the person, the player that's being shady here. And I don't know if there's you know we have battled with this at every level for years, and there's really no way to do it except if you're kind of repairing or readjusting their handicap after they play once in front of you. Yeah. Even that might be too late. Um, so it's interesting. Yes, it's embarrassing, but I don't know if there's anything to do about it because if they're incentivized to to do what they're doing, they're they're never going to stop. Plus, doesn't the entry fee go for like thirty thousand dollars? Yeah, so they're, exactly, they're happy to take the people. Well, that's the thing, <laughs> and they're feeling like, look, if they're paying that much, we're not going to get all up in their business about what their number really is. Right. I think that's a probably a sound business decision there. All right. What's the first big event in the Middle Atlantic this year? Uh, probably our match play. We've got a couple of chapter meetings in March, early April, uh, uh, where the chapter meeting and a pro pro, but our, probably our biggest, uh, major event is our match play. Um, and, uh, that's not till April or May. So we've got plenty of time to talk about that on this show. All right. Very good. Mr. Gould, looking forward to another great season here on the Capital Golf Gang. Thank you for being with us. And, uh, we will talk to you next week. Awesome. Looking forward to it. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Washington, D.C.'s Radio Golf Authority for over 15 years. Today's edition of the Capital Golf Gang is being brought to you exclusively by Golfdom. All the new clubs for 2023 are available at Golfdom now. Callaway's Paradigm line, TaylorMade Stealth 2, the Ping G430, the Titleist TSR Woods, and more. Golfdom is stocking up on some great spring fashions. Come check out the latest from Peter Millar, Holderness and Bourne, RLX, and more. And get custom fit for a new driver or a set of irons in one of their four dedicated bays at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner. Golfdom, live the game in Tyson's, Annapolis now, and soon in Rockville. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who will knock your lights out if you dare to ask for a gluten-free hot dog at the turn. Welcome back. Final segment of this, the first edition of the Capital Golf Gang for 2023. 
And Ron Thomas joins us now, our playing vagabond who is here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's in Pinehurst half the time. Man, you are a busy guy. It's good to connect with you, Ronnie. How has your winter been, my friend? The winter's been great. It's been, uh, my son played basketball this year, so it was a lot of basketball games, which I, you know I enjoy. And then uh, we had a nice trip down to Dan Destin, down in Destin, Florida. Winston played in the Under Armour Junior National Championship. In golf? Yes. So he's a golfer, for those that don't know. Uh, uh, Ron's son, Winston, is how old now? He just turned 15 two 15 days ago. 15 years old, growing like a weed. The photos I see are incredible. Uh, you have taught him everything you know, maybe everything you know about golf. You're saving some chipping techniques for when he can really, you know, fully use these Jedi tricks, I'm sure. But right. he loves golf, but you're encouraging him to play other sports like basketball, which I like. Yeah, and he's actually just started playing baseball, too. He's now on the JV baseball team in high school, too. I'm, You know, many of the kids we compete against, and when I was telling you about the Under Armour Junior National Championship, he finished second in the country in the national championship out of 150 kids in his age group. And I would be willing to guess that at least half of those kids, if not more than half, uh, are exclusive golfers. Some of them had their coaches there. They had some of them had their nutritionist, their physical trainers. Wow. And Oh, yeah, it's a full entourage with some of these kids. And Winston hadn't really played much golf at all. We went to top golf a little bit, but he hadn't played leading up to it. We uh, went down there expecting nothing great, and I'll be darned if he didn't shoot one second. under par for two rounds and finish second. That is incredible. So I bet a lot of people are listening going, why isn't Ron going the full focus on golf entourage route with him in his golf career? Why? Uh, because I want him to be a kid for one, and I think you learn so much. Uh, through competition in other sports, namely teamwork, team dynamics, uh, how to deal with adversity, toughness, which I think is lacking so much in today's younger athlete. And uh, I want him to enjoy the years just as his father did. You know, I played all the sports, and I think it made me a more complete person. It made me a more complete athlete. And what other years, Steve? You know, you often talk about your Little League days and Chip and all your buddies that you played with and how mm-hmm. important it was to you, mm-hmm. and I don't want him to miss out on that. I want him to have a, you know, the recollections of being in the dugout or being on the sidelines and celebrating big games, big wins with his friends, his classmates. That is great. I think it's totally healthy. Now, I would love to know if there's any data, Ron, on outcomes for young, promising golfers who focus exclusively on golf versus those who choose a more well-rounded path? I mean... Tough to I say, right? It, it's hard tough. to figure out what, what group comes out better. But I know this. Whether or not your son goes on to play golf at a high level, college golf, which I consider a high level, or even higher than that, that's kind of up to the gods, right? to a certain degree. So it is. there's, it, there's that, but, connect- but I know this, what, no matter what he plays level of golf, by ha- allowing them to have a normal, well-rounded childhood, that's forever. He'll have that forever. That's a gift that never goes away 
And so I think that's brilliant. Well, it's a gift that never can be recaptured either. You know, we our childhood is is uh, it is what it is. It comes once, and it's in my case, and I know in your case, those were the greatest days of my life. Playing pickup basketball out on the out on the driveway and playing baseball and right. and playing high school basketball and high school baseball and these things. You know, again, as I said, they made me the person that I am, and. You know, Winston's been around basketball all of his life, and he's been to games. He's sat everywhere in an arena that you would want to sit. And to for me to even begin to say, yeah, it, you, it's a sport you're going to watch, but you're never going to be able to play because we're going to focus on golf. I mean, what is that? Yeah. Like, you know, it's teasing him. <laughs> it and, it um, would be wrong. It would be wrong. I, it I would love be it. wrong. And uh, if he if he wants to play golf in college, if he wants to play at a professional level, it will be up to him. Sure, the gods are involved, but it'll be up to him to put in yeah. the hard work right. and the dedication. Unfortunately, his father has, you know, I have some connections, and he's already uh, on the radar of some college coaches because they can see that he's got the talent, right. and they follow them. They follow these kids at a very young age. So, I'm sure they do. You know, it's funny you talk about, you know, childhood and you know, regretting not doing things perhaps or missing it or whatever played golf yesterday out here in arizona with a good friend who you'll see down in pinehurst uh dave edwards a big big tex i call him actually big cactus because he's moved from sure. texas you know you know the big cactus so he uh very athletic guy he tried out for basketball he tried out for the basketball team when he went to oregon in college he's our age and he washed out after three days. They're like, yeah, you, you, we have no use for you. Run along. But he said, I think the coach in football might want to take a look at you because if you bulk up, you might be a good tight end. So the coach looked. He told me this yesterday. He goes, the coach looked at me and said, you know what? I think we could use you. Why don't you come out and watch practice? And he says he watched three days of Division One football practice at Oregon. This was before they got really, really good. And he said, I wussed out and said, nah, you know what, I'm mad because I wanted to play basketball and this looks a bit much for me, so I decided not to do it. He's, I think he's kind of regretted ever since. He played semi-pro football in the Arizona League for no money, back, smashing his body up, tackle football at the age of 34. He said he was good enough that a scout for NFL Europe approached him and said, hey, you know what? I think we might want to sign you. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? And he goes, you don't want to know that. And the scout says, really? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, all right, how old are you? He goes, 34. And the scout says, yeah, I can't do anything with 34. But that's a case, Ron, of a guy who still feels like, dang it, I should have done that, pursue that. So I think that's wonderful with Winston that he is doing that. Well, one more thing about Dave is, and as I said, he's caught the bug. He loves the game of golf. So many of these athletes nowadays uh, who excel at their craft, their whatever sport they're playing, how many of them say in the on the backside, gosh, I love this game. I wish I had started earlier. I, that, yeah, that is the funny thing. While they like playing organized sports, team sports, when they were younger, when they could, they also don't like the fact that some of us who were nerdier and just focused on golf earlier have – sort of more hardwired skill sets about the game that they can't seem to access. Yes. And that's tough for them. It's a funny thing, but it's great though. It's great. All right. Let me, I got to get you on two big things here. Okay. Um, 
and that is the Netflix series, Full Swing, your thoughts, and then on the new PGA Tour structure with the elevated events and the no-cut events and the sort of the rift that has emerged on the tour between uh, the top tier and the so-called mules, as Ryan Armour called them. Uh, let's start with the Netflix Full Swing series. What are your thoughts? All right. Well, the Netflix Full Swing series is going to be a short segment, and I responded to your text message and said, I'm not going to watch it. I haven't watched it, uh, and I, I won't watch it. And what? the one of the re- yeah, and you know, I listen to you uh, more than you know your morning show up in Milwaukee, and you talked about it uh, when it first came out, and you said that it was kind of um, cliff notes, or it was kind of it, it was golf it was dummy. Yeah, it was you really know, watered down a, and dumbed here, down. For here's the how a tour event takes place: <laughs> after 36 holes, there's a cut. That's all I needed to hear. And you, so you're now going to hard boycott it, Ron? That seems no, illogical I, I and stuff. I won't watch it. I want to know these guys. The only the only amount of uh, investment in these guys that I want to put out is watching them from my couch perform at their craft. I don't need to know you anything don't want to see extra about, about Tony Finau's family life. No, because I don't want to not like some of these guys. And some <laughs> with me, it takes usually one or two missteps okay. for me to think, ah, I wish I didn't see that. Even even some of the guys I know that have been Brooks Kepka neutral, once they saw the Kepka episode, said, okay, I'm out now. You, you got to see it, Ronnie. I'm, I'm not going to watch it, Steve. I don't know. I, may, I You know my formula may, one. We may and my strap you down at the Malcolm and make you watch an episode it's against It's not going to happen. <laughs> you, you, know, you know my IndyCar background and my racing background, and I didn't. I don't have any interest in watching the drive-driven or drive to drive survive. To survive. So you didn't watch yeah, that either? No interest. No wow. interest. Okay. I've lived it. Not Formula One, but I've lived it behind, inside the ropes, in the garages. Of okay. racing, so right. I don't need it. All right, fair enough. Let me ask you about the new tour structure. Do you like it, hate it, somewhere in between? Where do you stand? Uh, I think it's probably a good thing. Um, I think it's something that had to occur, obviously, in response to live. That's the simple, right. trite response. But uh, I, I think that the game, having all of the, the stars together more often is really good for the game of golf. And, you know, you and I have talked about this face-to-face. I also think it's interesting how they found all this money suddenly. Right. Where did that come from? Yeah. and John Gould made a good point last segment here on the program. He said, you know, the so-called lesser events aren't losing any money. So the James Hans of the world who are bitching up a storm, they're still playing for the same amount of money only they're going to be playing against fewer of the top guys in the game. That ought to be seen as a win by them. Yeah. It, I agree. I agree. We are in a, a an incredibly unique time, and and it's a neat time, I think, for the game because we are watching a transformation right between right before our eyes that that would never have come about if Liv did not come about, and that's right. an interesting dynamic. What I like most about it is that I feel like golf and the PGA Tour has finally become a legitimate sport, even though Brooks Kepka says, you know, almost like a real sport. Yeah. All of this, Tiger's Rise, as well as 
the uh, it, you know the issue with the live tour has made it so that it is more on the radar. It's on Netflix, even though you won't watch it. It's on ESPN more, and that's good. No matter what you think of ESPN, it's more in the public consciousness of this is a real sport that belongs alongside, even though it's not as big as the NFL, the NBA, MLB, etc. Yeah, but you and I have known that all along. That's why we played it. For, we we know, knew the beauty of the game, but I now know. it's becoming more mainstream. And see, part of that is upsetting to me. I liked our quaint little game. It was a game. That's the thing. It was the greatest game ever played, as the saying goes. But yes. it was not a sport, and the PGA Tour is not so much a league. It was a tour. I think it's becoming yeah. more of a sport, more of a league, and that's a good thing because the players that are out there now are incredible athletes. They hit incredible shots. They do things with a golf ball that is absolutely unreal. There was a shot this morning as we tape on Thursday morning of this week, Rory whistling through the trees on 16 at Sawgrass, over the water, onto the green. They're like, what? I saw it. Yeah. But he's also he's also three over par currently. I've got it on here in front of me. Hayden Buckley makes a one on 17. Uh, did you see that? I did, yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I can I change gears on you? Yes, we've got four, um, you know, minutes, we talk- four minutes left for you and you alone right. to riff but on whatever you want. But we talked about all this. Are you going to talk about your Friday at the Masters when we're done, when by, you're by yourself talking on this show? Or I want to know about Friday at the Masters. Well, I'm going with Chris Broussard, who runs this podcast. He's my marketing and podcast manager. And uh, he got a ticket through the lottery. And he was going to invite his best friend, his college roommate, apparently. And his college roommate couldn't make it, so I was choice B. And I gave him the appropriate amount of good-natured grief about, how come I didn't hear about this on the front end? Of course, <laughs> just joking, because I, I'm not, I'm, we're great friends and great, great business partners, but I wouldn't expect him to put me over his college roommate. But anyway, so he said, yeah, let's go. And so I'm going to go Friday. And it's not my first time down there, but it's his first time down there. And I told him, I said, I'm excited to watch you experience it for the first time because it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. What, what, uh, when you went in the past, did you go during a competitive round or was it a practice round? Competitive rounds. Yeah. I've never been to a practice round, but competitive rounds. And I believe. The last one I was at was in 94, so it's been quite a while. Oh, so, boy. So you're going to see the changes to the golf course, including number 13. Yes, and we talked about that last segment with Ghoul. What do you think of that extra 50 yards, I believe, they put back there? I like it. I like it a lot. The harder they can make that golf course, the better for me. I, I want to see them struggle. I don't want to see in seven, eight, nine irons into 13. Okay. You say hard, but don't you want explosions and movement and rallies and surges on the back nine on Sunday? No. Yeah, they're still they're still going to be able to do that. But to me, a par five at Augusta National should not be reached, regardless of what we want. You know, we, if we want to see eagles or not, it should not be reached with an eight iron or a nine iron or seven well, iron. I think I they don't. I think I they mitigated against that. 15 is no longer the pushover it once was, and depending on the wind, it, they're not doing it like they did before. But I, I think you want movement, Ron. I don't think you want this to be a U.S. Open with azalea bushes. Well, that's that's a good point, but so much of it depends on the weather, too. 
the winds and the weather. But these guys have gotten so good. The equipment is so good. And the balls are so good and go so far. They show us week in, week out that a little extra yardage isn't going to bother them. Because if it's firm and fast, the balls are going to run out in the fairway anyway. They'll, They'll hit big rope hooks up around 13 and still have five, six irons in probably. What if the new tee on 13 makes it an automatic layback with three wood? His driver is too dangerous and you can't do much with it. Uh, an automatic layback layup. Then is it a good improvement? I would like to see those 56 and 60s into that green, personally, because you rarely ever see it. The yeah. only time you really see a third shot into 13 green is if someone either hits it in the water and they have to take their drop, right. or they're up in the trees and they have to punch one down. But... Um, I like to see the wedge game, personally. (laughs) All right, right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ronnie. You got it, buddy. Bye-bye. And there it is, one more edition of the Capital Golf Gang in the books. Thank you so much to Buddy Christensen and the team at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner and Annapolis and soon in Rockville for sponsoring this program. Thank you to WJFK for airing it on Saturday mornings. You can, of course... Get this program and tell a few people about it on the ZabeCast platform. Just search for the Capital Golf Gang. It should pop right up. Have yourself a great weekend in golf. Get out there and play. Spring is coming, and we will see you next time.